Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 319 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Bethany Blaisdale, Bethany lives in Ashland, Ohio, where she is a homemaker who works part-time as an admin assistant for a digital marketing agency. Welcome, Bethany. Thank you. Well, it's really glad, really great to talk to you today. And you know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, it's like I feel like a convoluted story starts and stops. I feel like the first time I ever heard about it, a friend of mine had just had a baby. And, you know, somebody, you know, we were together at a park and some, one of our friends said, oh, like you're looking good. Are you doing anything or is it just coming off naturally? And she's like, well, actually I'm doing intermittent fasting. And my 
initial res- response was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. That sounds dangerous. Like fasting, like that's not healthy. And she is a nurse and she's like, we kind of do it anyway because you know, we have 12 hour shifts and, you know, the stuff that we have available is absolute garbage. And so like, if we just go in there saying we're not going to eat any of that stuff, then it ends up just being the natural way that we eat anyway as nurses. And so then, I mean, there was that, that was like the first time I'd ever heard of somebody that I knew doing it. When do you think that was? Like what year? Can you remember? Well, that baby that she had is now like a preschooler. So it would have to have been four or five years ago. I do remember the date of Thanksgiving 2019. We were going to my husband's brother's house for Thanksgiving. And right before we had left... They had, were talking about how they were doing intermittent fasting and had your book and everyone in there, like they live in like a development and everyone in the development was like passing the book around and doing it and just like reading it and starting it the next day. And and they were just like, okay, we're doing this thing now. And I was just like, and, and I had heard more about it by that point. And I was feeling like I was more open to it and like, it totally appealed to me. Like there's no rules other than just the timing of it. And I thought at that time I was like big into the calorie counting and kind of resigned to thinking like, I might just have to do calorie counting for the rest of my life. Because if I don't have any concept of what I'm eating, I'll just keep eating. Isn't that a crazy way to think that we would have to live forever? Yeah. And I knew that I didn't want to live that way. But I was just like, if I have no idea how much I'm eating, I'm just going to eat all like, I'll just keep consuming. And, you know, having the short eating window fixes that but I didn't realize that at the time. And so they had brought that up again, they're doing this intermittent fasting. And, you know, my husband was like, well, what do you think about that? Like, he was intrigued by it. And I thought to myself, well, it's just a gimmicky thing. Like, it's just like the latest fad thing. I'm just going to, what I'm doing right, right now is working. And it had worked for me in the past. But I, side note, I feel like anything that has ever worked, if I really was truly honest with myself, like four months was like tops. Like, is how long it was sustainable. That's how long you could white knuckle it on that plan that you were sticking to before you were like, I am so sick of this. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I think we all get it. I never lasted four months, honestly. So if you could do those other things for four months, you were way better than me. I had like very short attention span on those kind of things because I would have something celebratory come up or go out to eat. And then that was the end. Once I blew it, I it was blown. I just <laughs> didn't get back on it. <laughs> yeah. So it was like we drove to Florida. You know, we're in Ohio. And it was like the trip down. I kind of decided, I think I am going to try this. Like gimmicky or not, like, I don't know. It just sounds very appealing. And on that trip, like on vacation, like I just started doing an eight-hour window. And I'm like you where I... I don't track how much I'm fasting. I just track how much my 
window is open for eating. Yeah. It's so much easier to me and to do that. You just, you're like, all right, I opened eight hours from now, I'll close it. Cause when you're trying to count your fast, you have to think about you were sleeping and it was overnight and that math is more complicated anyway. Yeah. So I did eight hours for a long time. I don't know when I kind of faded off of that, but like I got the, all the other benefits that weren't weight loss, the mental clarity, just feeling better. I didn't realize my gut didn't feel good until it did feel good. And then I realized, oh, I've been living with a icky gut, (laughs) but I wasn't seeing any or very much weight loss. And at that point, that was the goal. Do you remember how much you weighed when you started? I want to say back then I was probably in like the 150s, 160s. And how tall are you? I'm 5'4". I used to be able to say 5'4 and 3 quarters, but I weighed myself recently and I am not 5'4 and 3 quarters anymore. Gravity takes care of that for us, doesn't it? (laughs) All right. So you were not seeing weight loss with an eight-hour window. And that is very, very typical, especially for women. We hear so many people talk about 16-8 as if that's what the only thing intermittent fasting can be. When people are, you know, just poking around and trying to figure it out to start with. But an eight-hour window was definitely not a weight loss window for me either. And it was just, I could eat way too much in eight hours. I think if I treated it also like it was a diet, I you know, but I don't want to. I don't want to diet in an eating window. That's why shrinking the window makes it so much easier for me. So I think at some point, even though I had the benefits, the non-scale benefits of the intermittent fasting, even with the eight-hour window... At some point, I was just like, well, this isn't doing anything weight loss wise. So it wasn't like I decided I'm not going to do it anymore. It just creeped, the window creeped to more of like a 12, like a basic, like eat breakfast. And then I've never been one to snack late at night. Like I would say, I probably, if you've ever heard this definition, somebody has said, like, well, what actually is intermittent, like, what defines intermittent fasting? And Somebody said, well, as long as you're doing at least 12 hours, I'm like, I don't know. That is a rule of thumb that I've heard before. And um, I know Walter Longo, who does fasting mimicking diet, has talked about a 12 12 hour as a, you know, you get benefits from 12 hours. Like, um, and you're not likely to have a lot of fat burning going on, but I mean, any amount, like having a 12 hour break from eating is going to be better than having a 10 hour break from eating, right? So you, as you push it 12 hours, 13 is going to probably be better than that. But 12 hours is pretty much minimum of what we would think of it as like, if you're purposefully waiting 12 hours, that's a very, very gentle (laughs) intermittent fasting approach that may have some health benefits associated with it. And again, that would be as compared to what you were normally doing. It's because if you're shrinking down your eating, even if you're shrinking it down just to 12 hours, that's going to be an improvement over before. But, you know, that what you're saying is a very typical scenario. You know, you started, you were doing 16-8, you felt better, but you weren't seeing weight loss. So you're like, well, the heck with this. But at that point, you didn't really, had you read anything yet or were you just kind of going on? I saw they had, you know, your book on their coffee table when I was down there for Thanksgiving and I put it on my list. And then I have quite a list on Goodreads of books to read. So it it hadn't come up again until I read it in January of 2022. And in the meantime, I had watched a few YouTube videos that Jillian Michaels had put out. And she talks a little bit about intermittent fasting, but she's not a big fan of 
more than 12 hours because her reasoning is she says like she gets too hungry by the time she opens her window if it's longer than that. I always wonder people like that if they're fast and clean. And I think they're probably not. Yeah. I think she talks about having like coffee in the morning with heavy cream. See, and so many people that have, especially YouTube videos, there's a, a, a YouTube guy. I'm not going to say his name, but um, he has a lot of YouTube videos, lots of them. And he's been doing YouTube videos for years and years and years about fasting. Back when I was running the Facebook support group, people would always pop in with his videos and be like, he said I can have stevia and blah, 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 lemon juice. It doesn't break a fast. I'm like, yes, but if you watch his videos, he also talks about how it's practically impossible to fast longer than 16 hours. He's not fasting clean. The people who say it's really hard to fast more than 12 or more than 16 are generally breaking the fast. And that's why it's so hard. That's what I've found. Just, you know, it's just a little common thread there. But yeah, I love that Jillian Michaels is doing some fasting. I actually had seen that recently. So my journey up to reading your book was I scaled off the eight-hour window. And then her recommendation was, you know, to do at least 12 hours, eat every three to four hours, and, you know, count your calories, of course. And I feel like that was... Having like the parameters, see time things really work for me, (laughs) but even then like having the parameters of just eating every three to four hours was helpful for a while. And then, but I just, I got tired of the counting the calories. And so then I started reading a lot of intuitive eating stuff and watching videos on intuitive eating. And then that is when I started just packing on the pounds because as you've said before, like if I stop and ask myself if I'm hungry, it's like the answer is always yes. <laughs> and so I quickly realized like, okay, this is not going to work for me. This might be like the anti like diet, screw diets. I'm not doing this anymore, like way of thinking, but like, it's not working <laughs> for me at all. And I still have like, you know, we talk about those things that you struggle with, like, I still struggle with not doing things, like basically throwing the baby out with the bathwater, like everything that I ever learned from the diet in the evil, bad diet industry. It's just like, well, there are some good principles. And like, sometimes I shouldn't eat the cake just because the diet industry told me not to eat the cake. Like I still like I can eat the cake. It doesn't mean it's the best choice right now well, either. Well, I, I think that's a really good point. You know, we pick and choose from what we hear and we keep what feels right and we discard what isn't serving us well. The whole thing with intuitive eating. I could not be an intuitive eater until I added intermittent fasting. And now in my eating window, I can tell if I'm hungry or not. I could not when I was eating all day long. But you know, everything I've learned along the way, I picked up something and everything, all the diet stuff has nuggets of truth in there. You know, it has something we can take away, everything that we ever did. Yeah. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress 
vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. And I feel like right now, like, all the things that I learned through intuitive eating, like I can apply now within the window and it makes sense. But when it's a wide open 24 hour window, then that just, that didn't work at all. So I found your book in January of 2022, read it within a few days And was that fast, feast, repeat, or delay, don't deny? Delay, don't deny. Started immediately with a five-hour window. So I did the five-hour window for, so that was in January, till August of that year, and was losing about a pound a month. So I was very happy with that because, you know, I have enough experience to know that anything fast is usually not long-lasting. So I was very happy with that consistent. And at that point, it was like, you know, what people call like the vanity pounds. I was only about 10 pounds overweight anyway. Like I wasn't really that overweight. That makes a lot of difference. Yeah. And by August, I still had probably about five pounds. You know, if I were to be in what the doctors say is the healthy window for your weight, because it's at five, four, I think like 140 is like the top. Like I think it's like 125 to 140, 120 to 140 is like a healthy weight range. I was about probably at 145. And then I just kept coming across, I don't remember what order it was, but like, I think this one was when I think I stopped doing a five hour window. I came across Dr. Mindy Pels, who talks about fasting according to your cycle. And that really intrigued me. And there wasn't even really anything going wrong with how I was doing it, but I was just like, okay, like one pound a month. I'm happy with that, but like maybe this will like really push things over if I'm like, if I start following this. And what I've learned since is that where those principles are probably very good and sound, they're just, we're all so individual in our cycles that like what is a stressor for some person is might not be a stressor for me. Cause her thing was that, you know, on days, that your progesterone is low or whatever, you know, you don't want to put so much stress on your body by adding fasting to that as a stress. And then 
I don't know, it kind of made sense to me, but it was just like, but then there was like something in the back of my mind that was just like, I just don't feel like fasting is a stressor for my body. I don't know, like it feels good. I want to talk about that for a minute. And that I do not agree with the whole, I'm just going to say it, the whole we must fast differently depending on what day of the month it is. You know, and I started intermittent fasting when I was still cycling before I went, it was 2014. So I wasn't even fully in perimenopause yet at that time. And so many people now are saying, oh, change it with your cycle. And that just seems to be like, just like breakfast is the most important meal of the day started to become repeated so many times that people just took it at face value. I think the whole message of women need to fast differently during their cycle is getting that same kind of attention right now. And the idea of it being a stressor or not a stressor is going to vary, just like you said, Bethany, because I don't find fasting to be stressful at all for me, not even a little bit stressful. It actually is way less stressful than before. You know, I've had my cortisol tested. You know, we hear, oh, fasting makes your cortisol go up. Well, I've had my cortisol tested several times over the years just as a part of routine blood work. My cortisol is low. (laughs) So any kind of, oh, fasting is a bad stress. Oh, you know, it's... No, please, everybody, don't take those as gospel truth about fasting because we're also very individual. If fasting makes you feel more relaxed and in control, it is not giving you bad stress. So in August of 2022, I decided, all right, for one cycle, I'm just going to follow it through. I'm just going to fast according to my cycle, quote unquote, and see how I feel. Well, I'm 45 and lo and behold, of course, like that was like one of the first months of like, (laughs) I've always been like clockwork with my periods. And then of course, like that was like one of the first months where it was like, I didn't get my period for a really long time. So according to like, whatever I was following, it was like from the time the 15th day after you get your period, until you get your period is when you shouldn't, you should have a longer fast or something like that. And so I was like, well, I'm following this through. Well, and normally that would be like a couple days or like less than a week. And it ended up, I didn't get my period for like two or three weeks. And I was miserable because I was eating all day long and I was not used to that after seven months of eating with a five hour window. And, you know, my husband laughed at me. He's like, why don't you just go back to what makes you feel good? I'm like, I am seeing this through. I said I was going to do this for one month and I'm going to do it for a month. Even if this month lasts two months. (laughs) And so after like just feeling absolutely gorged all the time, and it's like, you know, in my brain, I could say, well, I don't have to eat as much during that like longer window. But again, like if the option is there, I'm always going to take it like, whether, no matter what my brain says, like with food. So after that, I was like, okay, I don't need to fast according to my cycle. I'm going back to my five hour window. I don't remember the time frame of this, but then one more time, it was just like, I'm really into CrossFit and stuff in that, you know, there's some people who are into fasting, but if at all, at the most an eight hour window, but you know, there's a lot of like, you have to have like your pre-workouts and your post-workouts and you have to eat within an hour after you work out and all this stuff. And I was just like, I mean, I knew from listening to your podcast, to this podcast that like, none of that stuff is necessary. But at the same time, like, 
I'm at the point where I'm really trying to start to gain muscle and then I'm just like doubting myself and I'm like, okay, maybe I do need to just broaden my window a little bit, you know, to make sure I'm getting enough calories. You know, I'm still like at that 145 range. Like, so I still have like a little bit of weight to lose, but I'm just like, but if I get more muscle, it's all about the muscle, then I'll be able to burn more fat. Like I'm just be more muscular. You know, it really is true. There's so much contradictory information out there that it can be confusing with the whole idea of when you need to fuel surrounding your workouts, but it is just not a big deal. We just don't need to have protein immediately before, during, or after a workout. But I wanted to make one point really quick about our cycles because I was thinking about it. I didn't say it yet. I found that I was able to be intuitive about my eating around my cycle. I would find one hungrier day a month. And, you know, as I went through perimenopause, I became less regular, obviously, because that's what, what normally happens for women. And... I remember I would have a day where I was like a bottomless pit and I'd be like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so hungry today? Then the next day, bam, my period would start. And every time I'm like, oh, that was why. And it was like a surprise. Every time it was a surprise. But then I just realized that was my pattern and my body let me know it needed more fuel that day. It needed more food. And how that looks for me now in a five hour window, actually now I'm doing a four hour window, is that normally I break my fast and I eat till I'm satiated and then I'll have a meal with my family later. But on those days where I just want to nosh food, I just eat that whole four hour window. <laughs> and it's just like, that's what feels good. And that's what my body needs. But your body lets you know, right? It's not a mystery. Your body tells you, Hey, I need more food today. So that's really as complicated as I think we need to make it. I don't like to contradict people that are out there in the world putting out information. And, but I just really don't think it has to be that complicated where we have to track our phases. The only time I ever tracked my phase is when I was trying to get pregnant. <laughs> that was it. And, you know, my body is, is happy with, with fasting. And that's all I have to say about that. And back to the, you know, like throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater with like the whole diet industry, like for a while, like the idea of shortening your window, like when you need to, like if the pants are getting too tight, like there was part of me at first that was just like, well, that feels kind of diety. Like, I don't know if I like, I'll just, I'm going to stick with my five hour window. And like, I don't want to like manipulate the time, like, because I don't know, it felt diety. Like, like, like that's like, the end goal is just to not be diety. <laughs> well, you know, when you were shortening your window, it felt diety and you didn't want to do that. What did you do when you were having like your pants get tight? I don't know where I was going with it, but yeah, I, <laughs> I totally know what you mean because intermittent fasting can be made to feel diety when we get inside of our own heads and start making plans. I remember back when I first was starting and trying to turn it into a lifestyle. And when I first hit maintenance and was trying to keep it up as a lifestyle. I would write down all these crazy plans. Like if my weight is between this and this, then this is what I'll do Monday through Friday. And this is what I'll do on Saturday and Sunday. But if my weight is, I mean, I was like, I was turning it into something crazy and diety. And eventually I relaxed with that. But that tendency stays with us for a while. Yeah. So I'd say that's probably one of the, the things that I struggle with the most is that like, I'm so anti-diet. Like I want to be in my thoughts that I'm like, just not using those principles of intuitive eating for my benefit. Like example with the cake, like 
I don't want to tell myself I can't have it because I know that's a diet mentality, but I don't necessarily need it. So I just eat it because I don't want to be anti-diet. Like I want to be, I want to be anti-diet mentality, but it's like, it's not serving me. So I've gotten better at that. You know, like just because I can have ice cream and I'm delaying, not denying. That can make you be like, well, I'm going to have it. But then I'm like, do I really, really want it though? Well, I really like the way I feel after I have it. And a little bit of ice cream, I'll feel fine. If I have too much, I won't feel fine. So it's just reframing the whole idea of instead of being diet mentality, I don't have it or not have it because of diet mentality. Instead, I think of it like adulting. I'm adulting with the ice cream or parenting myself through the thoughts of ice cream and whether I need it or want it or if I'll feel good if I have it or not. And definitely not wanting to overdo it because we all know how that feels and it doesn't feel good at all. So tell me a little bit about your diet history. If we go back in time prior to that first time you ever heard of intermittent fasting, when did you first find yourself on that that diet path? I feel like through high school, I was very active and was always in sports. And one season, my sophomore year of high school, I just decided I was just going to take a break from playing sports. And I immediately put on a couple dress sizes and gained some weight. And then as soon as I got back into the next sport, the next season, it dropped. So like, I've never had to think about food at all as long as I I was active. And then, you know, the big surprise kicker was when I graduated from college, because even through college, I played sports. And I didn't have any kind of sport or regimen that I was going through that I was like, oh, I can't eat whatever I want, whenever I want, like, I actually have to think about what I'm doing here. So the adult wake up call that comes in and it's a shocker. I remember when I'm the same thing. I'm like, what, what? I can't just order pizza at midnight every night. (laughs) So I don't know that I knew enough from my mom's experience. Like, you know, I grew up hearing like diets don't work. Like you go on them, you may lose the weight, but you're just going to gain it back. So I was like, I knew not to go like searching for like diets, but I would, I think I read the book way down. Yeah, I've heard of it. And it's basically like intuitive eating, like eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And is it a little bit of fasting as well? I can't remember. I don't think they use the word fasting, but are you supposed to wait until you're hungry? That might be where you're like, I think someone told me they were doing it and they accidentally were fasting when they were following it. And that got a little tricky, like, because in the cafeteria in college, like the meals are three times. And if you're not, if you don't happen to be hungry during those times and you happen to be hungry later that day, like you're out of luck because you don't have access to food (laughs) unless you, you know, stockpile stuff in your dorm, which that was always dangerous. So I didn't do that. We had really till late night options. I went to Wake Forest. We had something called the snack pit. (laughs) Sounds very appetizing, but our main cafeteria was called the pit. Then we had the snack pit where they had, you know, fast food options. And then we had something called the Magnolia Room, which we called the Mag Pit, which was like fancy. But you could use your meal card at all of them. But after we left, they got all these great options like Taco Bell and, you know, right there on campus. But we didn't have any of that. We just had to go to the Snack Pit, (laughs) like 11 p.m. But yeah, it was not conducive for good eating habits. Yeah, that worked for a while. And then I just... After a while, it was just like not sustainable. And I just got tired of thinking about it. And when there was food in front of me, I just wanted to eat it. And 
not think about whether I was actually hungry or not. And I've always been pretty active. So I think things were okay for a while. Then after that, I think when I got, I got married at 25 and I think I put on a little weight then. Cause you know, you're just having special meals going out, like just doing stuff like that. But I had an active job. So that kind of helped offset that. And then the real kicker was after I had my third child, just the weight just was not coming off like it was with the first two. And one of her well child visits, I actually asked her, you know, the pediatrician, I was like, I'm not losing this baby weight like I was before. What do you suggest? And then that was the first time I had been introduced to the whole calorie counting thing because she told me about my fitness pal and that worked great. So my daughter is 11. So she was born in 2011. And so then just back and basically some version of calorie counting I did all through my 30s and early 40s up until... So you had never counted calories till 2011? No. That's remarkable because that was the first, you know, diet I I turned to. After I gained the freshman 15 and went home for the summer, I was counting calories. I mean, I had, I was clueless about calories. I didn't know anything about them. Like I can remember, when was it? Maybe my junior year of college, senior year of college, one of those. I was working at a restaurant called Daryl's, which had really good food. And we were having like a waiter meeting and they're like, now if someone comes in and they want to have something healthy, what would you suggest? And I'm like, chicken alfredo with broccoli? <laughs> that was probably the highest calorie item on the menu that shows how little I knew, but it had broccoli, so it must be healthy. And they're like, no, that is not what you would suggest for someone. <laughs> but I didn't know. But for you to not have counted calories till 2011 is that's amazing. But then you were like all in. You're like, I can do this. This is math. It's science. It makes sense. Yeah. And then until I got tired of it. And then I would do something else until the pants got too tight again and then do it again. And then probably some different version or whatever. But it's interesting though. I kind of forgot about this, but right before I had my first child in, so in 2008, so this would have been, he was born in January. So it would have been probably the end of 2006 into 2007, I came across a Jordan Rubin book and he just like briefly mentioned... Was it The Maker's Time? I don't know if it was that one or not, but one of his books, he mentioned that his grandmother wouldn't eat anything each day until she had a bowel movement. And so I took that one little comment and see, I was looking for something like this. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. This is going to be my thing. I'm going to not eat each day until I poop. And without realizing it, I was fasting. And I felt amazing. Because there, at some point, I did start getting regular. But until that happened, like there were some 24 hour fasts, maybe even a 48 hour fast if you know, things were really backed up. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, I'm just still laughing. The the poop diet, what could we call that? We could write a whole book about it. The bowel movement plan. I don't know. <laughs> and it was so, I felt so good. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I just kept thinking, I can't believe how little you really eat to be alive. Like, and part of me was like, is this safe? Is this a good idea? But I felt so good. And then the tricky part about it was, you know, and I've heard other people talking about intermittent fasting and saying like their advice being pick a time when you're going to start eating. Like, don't necessarily wait until you feel a certain way. Like 
and you know, whether you, I don't know, even know if I totally agree with that, but just the idea of like, if you know, you're going to eat at a certain time, it's easier to get through until that time rather than being like, well, I'll just eat whenever, like, and then you're just always feeling like you want to eat when that's not part of your plan or whatever. I think you're right because it takes one more decision off your plate. If my daily plan is I don't eat till three, let me just say, if that's what it was, then I look at the clock, it's not three, I'm not eating yet. See, Chad, with his, the way he does his, you know, eating at around 11 and then he doesn't eat again till five. Literally, if it's 4.59, he will not eat till five. That's his boundary. I mean, he is not going to veer from that. He's not going to. That is his time. That's his boundary. And there's a lot to be said for that because you don't have to make the decision. He's like, no, it's not what I'm eating right now. This is not the time. Yeah. So that was the, the, you know, the negative about that was just like not knowing when I was going to eat. I didn't know when I was going to have a bowel movement. So I didn't know when I would get to eat. So, but what put the end to that is that I got pregnant. And so I was like, all right, well, I know I can't continue to fast now. So, and then as my kids were toddlers, I would try like some version of that where, but where I would just eat with the family, like no matter what, and you know, whether, no matter what else was happening with my system. And, but then it, I never got like the immediate results that I did that first time, just so then I just would get discouraged and stop. But it also like, you know, I didn't have a plan or didn't have any knowledge of what benefits I was giving my body or anything. So, you know, there wasn't much motivation to stick with it where like this time around, you know, when I read the book in January of 2022 and decided to do it, I was like, I'm only like five to 10 pounds overweight. Like I'm kind of okay with that. If I don't even lose any weight, like I just want to feel good. So that was what was motivating and helped me to be determined to just stick with it because it was like, it doesn't really matter if I lose the weight or not. Like I want all these other benefits. That's exactly right. And, you know, knowing that you're just going to feel so much better and say, you know what, I'm going to just fast clean, release expectations and stop the madness of trying to count or micromanage what I'm eating. If the only thing intermittent fasting did for someone was allow them to relax into their eating window. You fast, you open your window, you eat without worrying about it, you close your window. If that's the only thing it did, that's a huge thing. One of the biggest benefits I've gotten is I didn't realize like how disordered my thinking was around food. Like, I mean, it like what a load off my shoulders to just be able to like not think about food all the time. Like that's the number one benefit for sure is that like, it just, I find like, I've said so many times to my husband in the beginning, I was just like, like, I can't believe like how healthy my mind feels towards food. Like it's just such a relief. <laughs> that really is true. And you know, I never had, you know, a, a named eating disorder, right? Never have. But in the period before intermittent fasting, the amount of headspace, what I was going to eat and when I was going to eat it, what should I be eating? The amount of headspace that took up in hindsight feels like it was very disordered compared to now. And that's the part that's really hard for people who are not intermittent fasters to understand. You know, how could fasting be less disordered than eating a low calorie diet? Because it, it just, it takes so much mental energy. That's all you're thinking about. We're not supposed to work this hard. You know, you look out in the animals in the wild, they're not like, is it time to 
eat this nut that I buried for the winter. I mean, they're not worried. They're just eating. They're following their instincts. They don't just keep eating all the nuts till they're gone. They stop, you know. <laughs> anyway, humans, we have had a way of overcomplicating it. So now you're at a point, you're in a four to five hour window now at this point. Yeah, about four hour window. Yeah. I was happy with my weight. And the one thing that I was just like, if I could just flatten out my little pooch that I have and get rid of the muffin top, like then I feel like I would be super happy. And so I was like, all right, well, okay. Rather than thinking like, okay, it's diety to shorten my window. Like, let's just shorten my window and see what happens. And yeah, it immediately like flattened out. Then I was, so then I did that for a while and then went back to a five hour window and it like kind of creeped back in. And so now I'm back to a four hour window. And so I feel like that's going to do the trick to keep things flat. <laughs> for me, it's wine. <laughs> and when, you know, cause I munch more that, I mean, it's, it's easy to understand why when I, when I have glass of wine every day munching with that and it I don't have my satiety signals as strongly so well and the other thing too is that I listened to a CrossFit podcast and they were talking about how like you know when people are trying to gain weight they drink their protein shakes you know they're trying to gain muscle yes but you know like even like the old school Rocky movies where he's drinking his eggs his raw eggs you know like he just made the point there's something about you know, whether it's been tested or not, like a liquid form of calories going into your body. And so when I, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I was, you know, doing my protein shakes, you know, at the opening of my window every day. And I just started doing my protein in like oatmeal or yogurt and just like eating it. I think it has to do with how quickly it becomes absorbed. If you're having a liquid, like for example, if you have an apple versus if you blend up an apple. If it's all blended up, your body doesn't have to break it down. It's already processed by the blending and, and like goes straight into your bloodstream. Your body processes it. Your blood sugar goes up, it goes down, it crashes, and then it's gone. And now you need more fuel versus solid food goes in. Like I noticed that when I was wearing a CGM, I noticed that depending on what I ate, the more processed it was, the more quickly my blood sugar would go up. But if I had like beans and vegetables, like a daily harvest bowl that's full of fiber, it would take a long time for my blood sugar to even budge. But if I had blended all that up or had like a, you know, a shake or something, it would have been like, bam, there it is. So yeah, a shake or a liquid meal never satisfied me ever. So when I was doing that isogenics program back in the day, I don't know if you ever saw anybody doing that one, but it was, you were supposed to have a shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch and then a sensible meal. I was so freaking starving after those shakes. <laughs> yeah, real food for the win. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, it definitely without any kind of monitor or anything, I know like if I don't break my fast with like some meat and cheese or just something like or nuts or something like if it's like bread or anything sugary at all like i just have a headache for the rest of the day like it has to be some kind of like protein or like something substantial yeah i'm the same way and for me it needs to be like i always feel my best if my first thing i eat has beans or lentils and <laughs> that might sound crazy but Nothing I've found, nothing satisfies me really better than beans or lentils. And I got to have some kind of something starchy with it. Yeah, I can eat those things afterwards. But if I break my fast with that stuff, it's bad news. Me too. I can have it in there later. But if like a, like a cheese and cracker plate is not going to do it for me. That's not going to be sufficient enough. I got to have got to have some kind of starchy, fibery kind of a vegetable really to, to feel my best. Like Avocado on Ezekiel toast is also a really great thing for my body. I feel so satisfied after eating that. And if you throw an egg on top, it's even better. <laughs> now I'm craving that. I got I'm all out of avocados. I need to go get that. So have your tastes in food changed at all? Yeah, quite a bit. Like there wasn't much before that I would say that I didn't like. I find not just my taste, but how it affects me. Like, you know, this family weekend, I, you know, I told you that we got together with family this weekend. There was a bowl of Doritos out. If I have like more than a handful of Doritos, my tongue starts to feel weird. It like swells or something. And I don't know, I'm just way more sensitive to like, my gut is way more sensitive. I'm more sensitive to headaches, like based from junk, like from anything like super processed, which, you know, that's a good thing. You would think like, oh, well, Oh, since you've been intermittent fasting, you can't eat as many foods. It's like, well, I can't eat as many like foods that, that aren't benefiting my body. Well, like you said early on, you didn't realize that your gut had issues until you started fasting and felt better. So I think we're going through life prior to fasting in a low level feeling of yuck without even realizing it. And then we start fasting, and we feel so much better. And then we add the things in and then we're like, oh, I don't like the way I feel. But we forget that's probably how we felt most of the time before. Like low level yuck. I think that's how I felt. Like I would come home from work every day and need a nap. Yeah, I used to nap all the time. And it's funny because then I think now, like if I need a nap, I'm like, oh, what is wrong? <laughs> like there's something wrong. Like maybe I'm not fasting right or something or like I'm not. That was probably part of like the whole when I thought I needed to get so much more protein and have a, a bigger window. But, you know, if I think about it, it's like, oh, well, you know, what part of my cycle am I in? Or like, oh, I just did like a really harder workout than I normally did. It's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like you do things in your life or other things other than fasting are happening in your life that can cause different things. And it's not necessarily that I need to, you know, now increase my window to eight hours because I'm feel like I need to take a nap one day. Well, it's true. You know, our body does respond to so many things going on. You know, I mentioned this before we started recording. We're selling the house that we bought when we moved down here, the big one that we were going to live in all the time. 
and we've downsized one more time so that we will just have the little tiny beach cottage, which is not big enough for me to have an office. And we bought a condo that I'm in right this minute, first recording coming from the condo, but it's my work condo. So I'm sitting here in my work office and we've been moving long story short. So we had movers on Friday that came in. It was like the most complicated move ever because we're selling our house, the big house. It's a five bedroom house. We're selling it furnished and the condo came furnished. But you can imagine the furniture that came with the condo is not the furniture we wanted to keep versus the furniture we had. So we had, I had movers. It was the most complicated move. We went from the condo, loaded up stuff. Then I had to like swap the kitchens completely. Then we went to we're moving beds from the beach cottage, and we went to the big house, and we dropped some stuff off at Will's house, and back to the beach cottage, then here to the condo. And so I had to pack everything and get all the logistics figured out. Like I made seven beds one one day while we were moving because we we had stripped and moved. We moved seven beds. That sounds crazy, but we did. But the movers were fantastic. But for two days, I was working in the fasted state, like hours. I didn't eat till probably six o'clock. I was hauling boxes. I was packing things. And that was Thursday and Friday. And then Saturday, I'm unloading things and getting things all situated. And in the middle of the day, like around noon, I'm like, I am really, really hungry. (laughs) So you know what I did? I ate something. I don't normally eat at noon, but I went and had something to eat. I had a really big salad with meat and cheese and olives. And it was artichoke hearts. Anyway, My body needed that big salad. Then I had a whole full meal later, but it was in response to all that moving and working and exertion. And then I like was so tired and I like slept more the next day. And it just, you know, you respond to what's happening, but we can hear our bodies telling us that now. That's what's so exciting. Yeah. And I, you know, along with intuitive eating, I've really started intuitive training too, which, you know, takes away all that, like feeling like I need to get so much protein in for to support workouts like I have to you know especially at my age I have to think about recovery and you know if there are workouts that are really vigorous back to back then you know a 60 minute walk is just the thing that I need the next day (laughs) and it's all good and I'm thinking about you know back when I was thinking about all like the stressors and the cortisol and all the things and like Often people will talk who fast talk about like that they don't do much exercise or at least not vigorous exercise. And I realized at one point in my life that if I don't do something when I go to bed, I can't sleep. Your body tells you it needs to do that movement. And just, you know, knowing that there's so much benefit and in building your muscle and there's so much muscle loss after you're in your thirties and stuff. I really enjoy, like I enjoy the vigorous workouts, but you know, I just know that too many days in a row of those are are not good either. Yeah, we got to rest. You know, everything, everything in moderation. You know, you just like we wouldn't want to have, you know, up day after up day where we're eating all day every day, or we also wouldn't want to fast 27 hours repeatedly, repeatedly and never eat, or, you know, like 27 hour fast, eat for a tiny bit. No, we don't want to overdo anything. Same with exercise. We need to find a balance and a rhythm, and it's not going to be the same every single day. And it might not be the same every season of our lives. You know, we may need to take a more gentle approach sometimes with illness or whatever, but that's where really listening to your body comes in handy. And you don't want to push it for too hard for anything. You know, no pain, no gain. No, that's not. (laughs) We want to have it feel good. 
it needs to feel good. That's really what I think. So what are some of the non-scale victories that you've had? You know, I mentioned the mental clarity and just the gut, like relief. It feels like gut relief. I don't know. I just feel like so my body just feels good. Like I just feel like it needs that digestive rest and I feel like I sleep better. You know, it's funny because I see a chiropractor regularly and, you know, I think a lot of people think of chiropractors as the back doctors, but I really like how my chiropractor explained that, you know, your spinal cord houses your nervous system, which is the message between your brain and all your organs. And if that's not aligned, then things aren't going to be communicating back and forth between, you know, your whole body and your brain. So keeping your spine aligned is a great idea for health. So I, it's like all the things that I do, I know I, they have a vibration plate at the chiropractor's office that I do. It's like that. And, you know, there's, so many stories that you hear in CrossFit of people starting out on medications and not having to be on their medications after doing workouts, you know, after a period of time and benefits from, from intermittent fasting. So sometimes I'm like, I don't know which one I'm getting the benefit from, but I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, people ask me all the time. They're like, what benefits have you gotten from your vibration plate? I'm like, I have no idea because I started using a vibration plate in 2016. So I don't know. (laughs) And then sleep too, like being more intentional about quality sleep. Like we, my husband and I both have Manta sleep masks and I sleep with earplugs in every night. We have room darkening shades and like just being intentional about turning screens off an hour before we go to bed and all the things that they say. Yeah, it all adds up. There's not just one thing that we do for our health. So we are almost out of time. In about one minute or less, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? You know, I I feel like a lot of the people that come on the show are people my age and older. And I would have loved to have heard about this as a young mom, like just with how tired I was. I mean, I feel like I would have been, you know, the day that my child was weaned, I would have been like the next day started (laughs) with intermittent fasting. So I just... I don't know. I would love to get the word out there more to young moms and because I think they would benefit. So I know I would have benefited from it if I had known about it. Well, Bethany, thank you so very much for sharing your story today. Yeah, thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.
Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.